0: Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Did you um, ever remember playing a certain game when you were younger? The first recollection I have of playing this game, I was probably 14 or 15 years old. Um, it's a board game. I think they still make it. I think you could probably still find it on the, sh- the shelves today um, brightly colored, lots of playing pieces. Uh, when the game is played well, it can last days, even weeks, when the game is played really, really well. Uh, it's best played with more than just a couple of people, usually four or five around this table. Uh, I think this game has been big among the males in college. Probably you played this, maybe. Um, It is a game of domination. A game where the goal is to completely obliterate all the other players who are playing the game. What game am I talking about? Risk. Somebody said Monopoly, which is a good guess. Risk is the game. How many of you have actually played Risk? Let's see a show of hands. Okay. It is a game that is a lot of fun, but can also be extremely frustrating. Because what happens... Is there's a point in this game where you're playing the game and you realize one of two things: either I am about to achieve world domination, or I'm about to be dominated, and this guy is about to run the table on me and he's going to end up he's going to be the king of the world. and so um, there's an interesting Uh, impulse that hits the brain at some point in this game for all but one player and the one player that doesn't think this way is the one that's about to win the game but there's a point in the game where the impulse hits you when you realize I'm about to get dominated you just want to take your hands and keep in mind this board is covered in pieces okay there's little plastic pieces everywhere on this board, there's all the continents and countries, and they've been rolling dice and trying to move across. It's a, if you never played it, you ought to at least try it one time. But there's a point in the game where if you know you're about to be beat, what do you want to do? You want to take the edge of the board and flip it straight up in the air and watch the pieces fly all over the place. Now, whether or not you've actually done that is another thing, but at least you've thought about it. How many of you have played Risk and at least thought about ripping the board up off the table? I have, definitely, I have. Um, it's great when you win this game is not a lot of fun when you lose because the other guy's usually putting it in your face. It is a tasty face for you so um so that 's where we start today thinking about risk what's what you know what what is all involved in risk? Everyone has a world, a realm in which they're playing king in which they rule everybody has a realm where they take risks and they make investments they advance their arena or their um their realm or their kingdom it, it is it is the as hazardous as a student who decides they're going to try out for the team right that's a risk to think i'm going to try out for that because i could get cut i mean if you've ever been cut and remember how painful it is not in a cut this way but you're not on the team i seventh grade i'll never forget it my name was not on the list and i got cut and you know took the risk, and it didn't happen for me, or it's a man or a woman who's climbing the the ladder of a career success it's the as precarious as a couple who stands in front of their friends and family and says, "I do i'm gonna you know throw all in with this person and try and make this a go for the rest of my life. That's a big risk or it's the it's the company guy who is you know trying to manipulate and get his way through the corporation and and he has Some entrepreneurial spirit and finally he says, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own and do my own thing and I'm going to start my own business. It's signing your name on the dotted line when you buy that first house, right? Or any house for that matter. I mean if you remember when they put those papers in front of you for your first house and you'd never done that before and you signed your name and you signed your name again and again and there's a stack of papers and after a while it's just, you know, you're just making scribble marks because it doesn't matter because... And you think, you know, when is this going to end? I, I told them in the first service, I think I still owe my firstborn son for my first house. It felt like I signed everything away in that time. It's a risk. And it's as, it's, risk is as perilous as a congregation who refuses to play the religion game, who refuses to do it the way it's always been done, who refuses to have everybody tell you this is the cookie-cutter mold you've got to fit into. It's a church that says, hey, we believe that there's a way to reach people for Jesus that might be a little different than some others. We believe that there are certain things that are core, uh, important to us, and we're going to cling to those things. It's it's as perilous and risky as a church that says we will embark on a, 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 a mission expansion project the likes of which we've never seen, all for the cause of Christ. It's that risky. We all have a world. We all have a realm. We all have this place where we get to play king and we get to rule and, and it's place where we invest and advance our kingdom. We all have a place where we are small k king of our universe and small k king over our small k kingdom. We all have that place. But there is a greater kingdom and it feels like a risk when you come under the great king. It feels like a risk when you come under the greater kingdom kingdom. And indeed, I would say it is a risk if you do not. So let me remind you of the greater king. Scripture describes for us an epic battle. Listen to it. It's a verse out of Revelation. Revelation seventeen fourteen. they will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Lord of lords, king of kings. Big L, Big K, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. So while everybody has their kingdom and everybody has their realm, he's just reminding us, you call yourself a king if you want to. I just want you to remember that there is a King of Kings, Big K, and it's not you. There is a greater king, and there is a greater kingdom, and there is a final kingdom, and there is a forever kingdom. More so than whatever you are invested in right now, all this hard work you've been putting into last week or last year or the goals that you've achieved, the earthly arenas that you've invested in and been able to advance and go after. But remember this, the kingdom that you're advancing in ultimately is not the grand kingdom. It's your kingdom. That thing that you've been investing in, that thing you've been working toward, that's your little K kingdom. Always remember there's something bigger. Second Peter chapter 1 in uh, verses 10 and 11, and this is the Phillips version, and I don't know if you've ever read the Phillips version. It's kind of cool. Uh, they're hard to find, but but this is what the Phillips version, this is how it puts 2 Peter 1. Set your mind then on endorsing by your conduct the fact that God has called and chosen you. If you go along these lines, there is no reason why you should stumble. Indeed, if you live this sort of life, a rich welcome awaits you as you enter the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ in other words there's a greater kingdom out there there's something bigger than the world that we know there's something bigger than our little small k thing my little place out on wabash avenue there's there's a much bigger kingdom than that the question is are you living your life under the king of kings or are you living your life just inside your kingdom and you don't think about anything else and you don't worry about anything else I want us to step back into the story of previous kings and kingdoms today. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Chronicles 14. 2 Chronicles 14. I realize that we don't preach a whole lot from 2 Chronicles, um, so I'll give you a few minutes to find that, but I want you to find it and follow along. It's a story we're going to look at today. And what we're going to learn in these passages is that every king has three things that he has to master. We'll talk about a couple of these over the next several weeks. Every king has to master reliance. If you're a king, you've got to rely on something. Every king has to master alliance. It's who you're lined up with. Every king has to deal with that kind of stuff, has to master who he will be aligned with. And every king has to master re-risk. We are always called to risk, always. Every king is going to have to figure out that you always face bigger challenges than you can personally conquer every king knows that while he or she has their kingdom their reign they will always face armies battles challenges that are way bigger than them they will always feel and experience the place of powerlessness the place of powerlessness no matter how great you become there's always somebody greater than you i remember my dad when i was playing sports and my dad is not known for his profundity But this is one of the things that that, uh, I was taught by him, and I've never forgotten it. When I was playing sports, he would say, Brett, I just want you to always remember, as good as you ever get at any sport, there's always going to be somebody that's better than you. There will always be somebody better than you. What was my dad doing? He was trying to build in me humility trying to make sure that I understood not to get a big head, that there was always somebody out there that could take me down. He would always come behind that, and he would say, but I also want you to remember that there's always, there will always be people out there that aren't quite as good as you are. So have some self-confidence. Look at yourself well. Understand that you have some ability, but don't get too big of a head. Understand that there's always somebody out there bigger than you. Every king must risk where they will rely. Every king has to face risking reliance upon whom or what will you ultimately rely practically personally ultimately every king has to risk it second chronicles 14 tells us the story of asa who is a king of judah following the time of solomon and we talked a little bit about this last week we talked about the split of the nation of israel into two kingdoms to the north was the kingdom of israel That there were ten tribes that went into that kingdom, and they were on the north side, and then to the south was a kingdom uh, called Judah, and it was basically two tribes. This all happened after Solomon had been king. There's basically three kings that we know pretty well. There's Saul, there's David, and then there's Solomon. After Solomon was Solomon's son Rehoboam, and Rehoboam under his rule the kingdom split. Things did not go well. So you have Israel to the north, you have uh, Judah to the south, and um, Asa is the king of the southern kingdom and these tribes have been you know um, have known what it is to follow god and now they've kind of gotten to a place where they're doing their own thing and they're not really paying much attention to god they kind of give him lip service but they're not really thinking about god the way they need to they they're kind of really more about doing their own thing and so if they talked out loud to us today, it would sound something like, well, you know, we know we should follow God and we have some sense of God's provision, but we're going to withhold from God. There's things that we would like to have. And, we, you know, while we're going to acknowledge that he is the king of kings, there's still some kind of territory that we'd like to have for ourselves. And it's kind of like that divided life that we sometimes fall into living, that, that ride in the fence kind of thing that we can do, where we feel caught between two um, uh, notions. In the one moment, we're saying, you know, he is God, but in the other moment, we're saying, you know, God, I want to be the God of my own life. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do my own things. And we all wrestle with this, don't we? We all wrestle with it from time to time. You may be wrestling with it right now, this arena in your life where you're just saying, God, I know you want control of that, but I want control of that. And there's this tug of war back and forth with God. And it could be that you're here today, and you're, maybe you're holding out on God a little bit. Under Asa's leadership, a new song emerged for Judah. Instead of holding out, the song became holding on. It was a new pattern of coming under a king of kings in a dramatic way, and it was beginning to align the kingdom of Judah, small K kingdom, with the kingdom of God, big K kingdom. God, I want to come into your kingdom, and I want you to know that I'm fully reliant on what you're about and what you're doing. And so in the second verse of chapter 14 of second chronicles we read these words asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the lord his god he removed the foreign altars and the high places smashed the sacred stones and cut down the asherah poles he commanded judah to seek the lord the god of their fathers and to obey his laws and commands and he's saying basically hey we need to sing a new song We've got to get away from the way it's always been, and I'm commanding you as king, we're not going to recognize these gods anymore. We're not going to be going to these altars. We're not going to recognize these things that have been raised up for us to draw our attention away from the one true God. Those things have to go. And he says, I know in the past we, we may have relied on those things. We're not going to rely on those things anymore. And he says, I'm telling you that we are going to renounce self-reliance and we're going to renew a fresh reliance on God. And he says we're going to let that translate into the most practical arenas of our life. We're going to put to death idolatry. We're going to set the old things aside. We're going to do this a new way. We're going to destroy the old song. We're going to start singing a new song. And Asa rose up and Judah rose up. And this will be a, a season for this little kingdom of 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 aces this will be a a season where he uh, learns and grows and experiences some success but they knew what we knew and that is when it's your turn everything is new am i right guys do you remember being on a little league team and it came time for them to teach us how to bunt how scary it was when you stood up to try and bunt the ball i mean when you're swinging at it there's just something that changes when you're taking a violent swing at a baseball moving fast but when you're going up to bunt the ball it's a whole different deal and you can stand and watch them coach the other guy and watch him do it and then all of a sudden they throw you in the batter's box put the bat in your hands and they're trying to show you how to bunt the ball and not get your hands hit by the ball it's kind of tricky you may think you know what you're doing but when it's your turn it's a whole new season that's kind of you know that's kind of what's going on with this kingdom that ace has got you know it's a new deal for us it's 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 all fresh, and it's all new. Whatever has happened before or behind you, the reality is you get to make decisions today of how you will play out the game of risk in your life. And that's what I would say for us today. We get to decide today, forgetting yesterday, we get to decide today how we will rely on God, how we will risk reliance on God in our future, in our marriage, in our families, in our finances. Every time... You give to God what he asks of you. God wants to break through. And it's possible this morning that you took communion, and as you were trying to take communion, there was some wall in your way between you and God. Maybe, there's, maybe you have experienced that for a while. You come to church, you're trying to pray, you're trying to hear from God, and all you see is a wall that's been in front of your life forever. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's some kind of habit or pattern or an impurity of some kind, and it's there, and you can't get past it, and you're trying so hard to get past it. And God wants to break through and every time God wants you to do that to wake up to him and rely wholly on him you cling to what you've got and you're not sure you want to risk reliance and as long as you withhold your reliance on God I'm telling you that many times that wall will stay intact and in place and you will not be able to have the kind of fellowship and experience with God that you want to have God wants to break through it's so much easier to settle and drift It's so much easier to to just kind of go with the flow and not really push against things, not risk and rely on God. Risk is hard. Risk is scary. It's so much easier to be a non-participant, to talk as if you're really in the kingdom, but maybe not to live like you're in the kingdom all the time. It's so much more demanding when risk becomes real. Asa said it's now time for the risk to become real in person. My hope is that we would be different people. Because we have benefited from looking back and when we see men like Asa and the nation of Judah and you see how God steps in in their life and you see the transformation of a kingdom that begins to risk fresh reliance on God verse 9 just describes for us that there was a moment in time where this risking of reliance on god that, that israel began to experience the weight of impending war there things are not good in the kingdom and and it's kind of starting to rise up and they realize hey there's we're gonna to have to go to war now let's just pretend i'm going to take this section and all across the back and we're just going to say that you're my army okay are you with me you're ready to go you got your sword you're a lively looking bunch i'm telling you ready to go Okay, so just just for effect I won't have you stand up But I want you to raise your hand all the ones I just called out here on this side Just raise your hand you're with me I've even got people in other segments that want to be with me. That's what kind of king I am they're ready to go Okay, so that's so if I raised up an army and I said this is my army. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to do it That's not a bad looking army Okay, you guys can put your arms down to the to the joy of the person next to you. I'm sure I said that's my army we're going to go to war. That looks pretty good. I mean, that's a great army. Until we realize we were going to war against these guys. And we look across the other side and we realize that we're outnumbered two to one. That is the reality of Asa's life. That's what was going on with him. He's raised an army. He raised up 580,000 guys to go to war with him. And, you know, he stands back and he starts to survey his army. And he says, you know, i got a pretty big bunch of guys here. I'm feeling pretty good about things. And And it would be really easy... To to get to a place where you would say I am ready to go to war and think to myself I can do this The problem is when you look across the field and you see an army twice as big as yours and you realize there is no way I can do this I'm in big trouble if I think I'm going to take my army as good-looking army as they are as, As confident as I am in their ability to fight I look across the field and I see twice as many guys When they stood up, they looked formidable. But then they look across the field and there's twice as many. There's a million guys on the other side. And Asa starts to think to himself, I have a real problem on my hands. If I try to do this in my strength and in my power, I'm going to fall flat. This is not going to work. See, when you're a a, a king and you've got 580,000 guys behind you, you feel pretty strong until over a million come at you from the other side. You see, there's seasons in all of our lives where we feel good about our power and our possessions and our resources and our money and our circumstances. There's times in our life where we feel like we've done great, we've raised our army, we're ready to go. And then all of a sudden, you see across the field what it's going to be up against and you think, ah, I'm not so sure. And the next moment, you're standing there and you're feeling like you don't have anything and you realize that the other side's bigger, there's more going on, and you're going to need some help maybe you have business decisions and you don't know how to stand against that or you have marital issues and you don't know how to stand against that or you know parenting things or eternal things and here's asa right in the middle at the front of this group and he's thinking you know this isn't a bad looking group i've got but when i look across the field i don't know how in the world this is all going to go down it's two to one and he basically has to make a confession the confession is i am powerless The courage to confess powerlessness is what moves us into the practice of reliance. We say that again. The courage to confess powerlessness is what moves us into the place where we will practice reliance. It is no courageous thing that you would pretend to be tough when in fact you are powerless. In fact, if you have an eye and an ear for it, If you would recognize that you are most often powerless, more often powerless than you want to admit, and you hate that feeling, and that God in the midst of our powerlessness invites us into the very prayer of Asa. This is worth memorizing, this prayer of Asa we're going to look at. I'd like for you to spend your next several weeks, and if you would do devotions, I'd like for you to just spend some time on this prayer, just kind of meditating on this prayer. Maybe I would throw it out to you if you wanted to memorize it. It's not long. Verse 11, Then Asa called to the Lord his God. Asa becomes a man of prayer. It's amazing that a man who is king, that rules his own kingdom, that has all sorts of wealth, I mean, he's he's got it all going on and going his way. He decides that he's going to be a man of prayer because he's figured out that he is merely a king. He is a small-k king. And as a man of prayer, it was normal for him and... Positions of powerlessness, and in the most practical arenas of his life, to launch prayer to the King of Kings, big K. And listen to what he prays. Very practical. Lord, there is no one like you. That is a great line, isn't it? Isn't that a great way to start your prayer? Uh, let me kind of just suggest to you, if you don't know how to pray, that's a great way to start a prayer. Lord, there is no one like you. To help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we, what is that word? Rely. If you have a pen in your hand, circle that word. That's a big word. We rely on you. This is a king praying. This is a king who's used to calling the shots and used to making things happen his way. And he's starting to pray, and he is risking in reliance. And he even prays the word out loud we rely on you of all the things he could have relied on but no we rely on you and in your name we have come against this vast army O lord you are our god do not let man prevail against you now you notice that that prayer does not take 45 minutes to pray that's not a long complicated intricate prayer and, and it you know it cracks me up sometimes to listen to people pray now i'm not i'm not against long prayers i like to pray long prayers but but you don't have to pray a long prayer to be spiritual and you don't have to pray a long prayer to get god to listen to you and, and this prayer is not some intricate long thing it comes from the heart of a man that has figured out i am a small k king and i'm up against it and, and i don't maybe he didn't have a whole lot of time But he knew that he was a small K king in a world that has a capital K king, and he was going to put his life under that king and under that kingdom. And he has figured out whose kingdom he is leveraging his life for. And in the most practical place of life, he has learned how to pray and practice reliance. Verse 12, the Lord struck down. Now that's nice. I mean, we like that, don't we? We like it when the Lord strikes down. When our enemy is out there and... You know, it falls. Woo, that's great. We all love that. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. God wants us to know something from the life of Asa. This is what he wants us to know God rewards reliance. Understand that. God rewards reliance. I know that's not new I know that's not something we've never talked about in here before and we'll talk about it again But it's 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 very important that we understand that god rewards reliance And it could be that in your own personal life in your own spiritual walk That one of the things that's getting in the way for you that you want to be closer to god But one of the things that's a problem for you is you are not relying the way you need to rely on god He rewards reliance you're gonna to have to make a switch in your life where you say you know what I, I'm, I'm not the one that I can rely on anymore it's got to be someone else because here's the thing the world is impressed with you and me when we rise up and we look strong the world is impressed with us in fact I would say that most of the advertising that you see on television advertises to you from the standpoint of you are your own boss and you're the king and the more of a king you are the better off you are and the better off your world's gonna be and here we come and bringing in here Lining you up in rows and here's some guy up front telling you. Hey, you don't want to rely on you You want to rely on the king of kings You know what it We're not supposed to Have problems are we no one wants to you know We we think we can't expose our problems We can't uh, let our armor down or our guard down long enough to let somebody see that we may have an issue that our business Isn't good our marriage isn't good or our parenting isn't good or whatever. We got to you know, keep it all together And if you're honest to God and you can't figure it out, maybe the best thing you could do is say, God, I am powerless. And I do not have control over this. And I don't know how to make this work. And I am completely dependent upon you. You may be powerless in your career. Maybe you've had seasons of great economic gain and you're in a season now where things are starting to fade. And what God is reminding us is he does reward reliance. Now let's be clear for a minute. He does reward reliance but King Asa took initiative okay he raised an army he he was able to to bring up 580,000 guys the man was not lazy so you got to do your part don't be lazy in life don't be unprepared don't be undisciplined and sloppy or a poor initiator and expect God to come behind it and just make it all better because you didn't take care of business it kind of works like this I remember being in college And every once in a while I'd have somebody come up to me and say pray for me. I got a test today. Okay And then then they'd follow that statement up with something like this. I didn't study very much Okay, so exactly what am I praying for that god would do some miraculous thing that you would know stuff that you have got No shot of knowing because you didn't study it I'm just supposed to pray that god is just going to give you the answer to the question on the test when you haven't studied at all See that's that's being lazy that's yeah, that's not reliance on God. Can I just tell you what that is? That's stupidity is what that is. That is stupidity. I, it, it was cured for me, and this came into light for me. when in uh, I went to a Bible college, so we prayed before almost every class. And one time before we were going to take a test, I had a professor who prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, I pray that you would reward these students commensurate with the time they studied, and the, the amount of, of, of uh, intensity with which they've studied. In other words, if they studied God, help them to remember the things that they studied. If they've worked hard, if they've not been lazy, if they've done what I asked them to do, to study the material, Lord, I pray that you would help them to remember that. And, and he didn't say it, but what he really was saying was, and if they didn't, too bad. So you can't be lazy. I mean, you rely on God all you want, but you've got to do your part. God rewards reliance. But sometimes 580,000 guys is not enough. Whatever you have, it's not enough. I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care how much is going in your favor this morning. I don't care how much momentum your world carries into this room this morning. You do not have enough where God's concerned. God is saying, bring all that under my kingdom. God rewards reliance. Jesus tells us, Luke 14, verse 27, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In other words, place yourself under the authority of the king of kings. Now, this season of the story closes in Asa's reform in chapter 15, 2 Chronicles 15.1. It says, The Spirit of God... Came upon Azariah, son of Obed. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, So the Spirit of God has come upon this guy, and he's going to go out after Asa has come back from battle, after Asa has achieved victory. They realize God's rewards in reliance, and now the Spirit of God is going to speak. Listen to what the Spirit of God says to Asa. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. That's what I would tell you. If you seek him, he will be found by you I'm going to ask our elder or our, our ushers to Come forward at this time They're going to pass out for something for you That I want us all to look at and it's going to take them a minute. So i'm going to have to Talk and kind of kill time while they're handing these out and I just need you to know That we don't have a ton of these So probably what we're going to try and do is put you know I mean there's not enough for you and all your kids to have one So if you guys can share a little bit, that'd be great um We are, I told you that the month of March would be, it would be on for us. And this is where it, we flip the switch right here, what you're about to get. We're about to roll out for you our Room to Be Real Mission Expansion Campaign. Um, And while they're getting ready to hand that out, I just want to, I'm going to anticipate some of the questions that you might have as we talk about some of this. And I hope that as I talk, I'm going to lay to rest some of those questions that you might have. Like... And, you know, is this something that we're doing all of a sudden? Isn't this sudden? That might be a question that you would ask. Or, why are we doing this now? Might be a question that you would ask. What are you asking me to do? Or, do we have to do this? Is this, is this something that we, is, is, is absolutely something that we've got to do? And I think as I continue to talk, I'm going to answer some of those questions. Let me give you a little history that I think will answer the first question isn't this sudden? I mean, you know, I mean, I've heard Brett say a little bit about mission expansion and facilities and buildings and things like that, but but, I mean, aren't we kind of rushing into this? No, not at all. Um, we've known for quite some time that we needed to address our facilities and I would say for seven or eight years at least, we, we have known, well, we knew even before that that we we had problems in our youth ministry department. See, if you're in here, it's been a little crowded in here the last several months, year maybe. But what you may not know unless you work in our youth ministry department is our youth ministry is packed full of people. I mean, there's little kids. We've we've shoehorned little kids into rooms and asked teachers to go in there and teach them. And and you can always tell the teachers in our preschool rooms because they're the ones that are their hair just looks like they've stuck it into a light, they're figuring a light socket we put them in this little room and ask them to do ministry and god bless them they do it but it's not easy it's not easy and we come in here and we enjoy things but sometimes back there the space that they have is just not adequate we've known that for some time but we've also known that to address it was going to take some work and some prayers and some some forethought and thinking through and meetings and so um, we talked about it for a long long time finally we decided and at the time when we first started talking about all this we had some room in here now anymore we don't anymore. We've kind of run out of room in here. And so this this room to be real uh, It's really on now, but but when we first started this whole process we were looking at trying to expand facilities for the kids and, and Trying to make more room that way and so What we did is we we the, the last building we built was built by a local firm It was not built by a, a Christian building company by any stretch, uh, and that's okay, Um, And we got a great building from them. We got a very useful building We got a building much like the one we anticipate we will build a building that meets our needs that is very functional Very utilitarian very much like us. We are not a flashy bunch of people You know, we're not asking you to dress up on a sunday. I don't dress up on a sunday. We use our facilities I mean if you're here anymore through the week There's always something going on here If you're here on a sunday night and see what happens in youth ministry this building is flat-out used, especially on Sunday. So, um, But what we knew was when we came to the next building, this building that we thought was going to be for kids and is going to be for kids, we thought we need a, we need to find a builder that is a design-build firm that is used to building church buildings, that understands flow, understands the special needs that a church has for kids, and understands how to make all that happen, and so we started with about 10 companies. Believe it or not, nationwide, there are several companies that do that. And um, we started with a list of 10. I had brochures for all of them, took them into the elders' meeting. We started going through all those. And one by one, we, we um, what's the word I'm looking for? We eliminated different ones till we got down to two. And then we really prayed hard over these last two. And we finally came to rest on the Aspen group. We came to rest on them because we were familiar with them. We'd been to a conference they had put on. We'd seen them at a, with a booth at some conferences we'd been to. We knew a little bit about them, knew some of the people that were over there. We, um, we liked the fact that they were based out of Chicago and Indianapolis. They have a, a, a big office in Indianapolis. And um, what I really like about them and what our whole staff and elders have come to really appreciate, appreciate about the Aspen Group is we have found a company that is interested in just doing more than building a church building. They believe in the local church, and they believe in the health of the local church, and quite honestly We've kind of had to prove to them that we were healthy enough for them to work with us Because they don't want to waste their time They don't want to pour their resources into a church that that doesn't have what it takes to affect the kingdom the way They want to affect the kingdom So while we were looking at them and wanting you know, we think well business wants business they do But they were also saying hey, we want to make sure that you're up to snuff so they, they did a little poking around on us to make sure that we had the leadership the way we needed to have it They, they put me under the microscope to see if I can lead They're, They were they checked us out while we were checking them out We feel really good about the Aspen group and I can just tell you from a personal standpoint The way they have poured into me with resources Has been a huge blessing and hopefully in turn you've been blessed as a result of that very early in our meetings with the Aspen group they turned us on to a company called tag and you'll remember in 2007 we sent you out and asked you to take a survey online How many of you remember doing that? How many of you did that? Okay? 139 families went online and took that survey for us and they were very pleased with the size of our church How many people responded? Basically that survey was and, and we, we asked you to go online, but we also had um, Papers for those who didn't have computers. So everybody was able to take take this survey You went online, you filled out the survey, took about a half an hour. At the end of that survey, you guys came back and you told us some things about our church. First of all, we scored very well. We found out that we're a very healthy church. And what you need to understand is we're a healthy church among healthy churches because unhealthy churches don't do things like this survey. Unhealthy churches don't want to know how unhealthy they are. If you're unhealthy, you don't want somebody telling you that, right? How many people you know don't want to go to the doctor? And so it's our score was good but when you consider that only healthy churches take this thing to begin with it was really good you came back and you told us some of the following you said um, you don't really communicate all that well you don't always we don't always know exactly what you're doing with the money that we give you now you came right behind that and you said we trust you With the money that we give you we trust you but we don't always know what you're doing with it well I'm smart enough to know as a leader and our elders are smart enough to know that's a compliment but it's not and that's a good place to be but not for very long I didn't want us to stay there as a church and we've tried really hard to buck up our communication skills and to make sure that you know more about what's going on that's why you get an email blast every week that's why we have a Facebook page that's why we do more on our our web page that's why we try to be more proactive from the stage about the things we tell you. That's why Tracy comes up here and gives you announcements once in a while. We're trying to communicate better. That's why you can get a, a printout of our budget each week where all the money's going or each month. So we've tried hard to communicate. We heard that, and we said, okay, we, we need to do something about that. You came back and you said, um, your facilities are not adequate, which we, we pretty much already knew. You told us that we needed to be more missional, which basically means you need to stop focusing so much on the inside and worry more about the people on the outside, which we were trying to do, but we needed to do a better job. And you told us that's something we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that reaches out to our community. And here's the thing about that. In order to do that, you have to be really organized. How many people know me well enough to know I'm not real organized? So that was, yeah, all the hands shoot up at this point. (laughs) That was a real problem for us because I... Couldn't do that on my own. We had to have some help And you told us that you were excited about where we were going You kind of anticipated that somewhere in the future a building might happen and that you were ready to go for it We got that loud and clear One of the first things we did was go out and hire tracy It's one of the first things we did and instantly we got some organization around me that I otherwise didn't have And then things really started to go a lot smoother for us We were you know, we were a good church before but we weren't the church that we could have been and then Tracy came along, helped us get a little organized. He had some he, I remember the first staff meeting, he had some great ideas. He's followed through on so many of those. And, and can I just tell you that last week marked Tracy's three-year anniversary. So when you see Tracy giving a platform we knew we needed to hire Tracy when we saw the resor- results of the survey. We knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was something that you were going to support and you were behind, and so we went ahead and did it, and we've been a better church as a result. We've continued to grow. A lot of great things have continued to happen. Then we had something called a programming meeting. The Aspen group came over. We, we took all of our people, put them in a room, split them up into seven groups. We talked about how we do ministry, about how we use buildings, and what kind of square footage do we need for things. And then the Aspen group took all that, and we, they, they kind of digested it for us because they do this all the time for churches. And they came back, and I fully thought when they came back, they were going to say, Cross Lane, you need to build a gym. I fully thought that's what they were going to tell us. Now, I didn't say that publicly. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. And to be honest with you, I'd love to have a gym. But they came back, and that's not what they said at all. They came back after looking at the way we do ministry and doing stuff. They said, guys, we think what you need to do is get out of the building that you meet in every Sunday. And we're going to take that space, and we're going to renovate that space for your kids. And they're going to have more space than they've ever had before. We're We're going to meet those needs In a way that that maybe you've not ever thought about before and we're going to build a new auditorium to your north And we're going to move you into that space And then we're going to retrofit a lot of this stuff to, to meet the needs for your youth ministry And so Here's what you need to understand as we get ready to look at this Your elders and your staff Has for years been talking and praying about this We've kind of dropped hints from time to time I've told you as much as I can Honestly, there's not a whole lot to tell you we're thinking about it. We're praying about it We're thinking about it. We're praying about it We would have these discussions about you know The economic climate and the times we're in and we would say things like you know Is this really the best time to build a building and here's the the answer we came down to every single time We don't have a choice We don't have a choice We we are obviously growing god has given this church a very unique ability To reach people who have long been estranged from god and who are, feel far away from God and for whatever reason when they come in here, they feel close to God I don't know. I, I don't want I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand But I know there are people in this room who were far from God at one point and as a result of being accepted and loved By this church they got to a place where they were willing to give their life to Christ I see faces in here right now that I know that's a fact And, and so we, we've got God's gifted us in that way. We don't have a choice but to make room for people to come. Because here's what happens if we don't do this. Here's what happens. We'll line up in rows every week. We won't have any more space. And we'll all be Christians, and we'll all be saved, and we'll all know Jesus, and hallelujah, praise God. And all the people who are far from God, who don't know God, who are driving up and down Lafayette Avenue this morning, they'll never have a place to come who can accept them, love them, embrace them, and tell them that Jesus loves them. And as the elders have prayed over this for years and years and years, I can't even give you the man hours of time we have spent talking and praying about this. The one thing we come back to over and over is we do not have a choice. We have to make room to be real. We have to. So take this out. I want you to look at it. And I'm going to go kind of fast, okay? I need you to, um, I want you to open up your brochure like it's, Um, like you're on the inside of it and then fold over that right side and then if you will go down about three-fifths of the way on that page where it says at the top cross lane accepts me for who I am go about three-fifths of the way down you see a price tag on phase one do you see that? do my eyes deceive me or does that say 1.7 million dollars? let me just tell you right now 1.7 million dollars is an impossible I said impossible sum of money for the cross lane community church to raise unless we risk reliance okay risking and reliance God can do anything cross lane by itself trying to do this impossible so that's why I'm talking about reliance this morning because in order for us to do this listen your elders your staff knows this and we've called you to this many times we do not want to be a part of anything that we're not leaning into God for if it's something that we can do God will say you guys go ahead and do it and I'll just stand back here and watch We want to invite god into the things we're doing and we want to take on projects that require his help So you look at that number and you say man 1.7. That's a lot of money for that little church. Yes, it is for us It's a huge amount of money and in my Moments of the flesh as a pastor when I think about this just purely from the flesh and I think god There's no way we can do this. He says you're exactly right. There's no way you can do it But you're not going to do it by yourself so what we're talking about is a first phase, and here's what we're going to get in the first phase. An auditorium to our north that moves us from being able to seat 200 people to being able to seat 400 people. An auditorium that meets our media and technology needs the way we need it to be done. A renovated children's space that will take us from a place that where we can put 25 kids to a place where we get 75 kids. Additional classroom space goes from 5 to 10. Larger nursery, increased fellowship space. And yeah, by the way, it is expensive Let's go over for just a minute Uh, If you've got that folded over On the left hand side of your page where it says I can be real at cross lane. Do you see that? Look at the vision and values. Let's look over those together We want cross lane to be a place where unchurched people feel comfortable and accepted Accepted is the dna of this church that's who we are. That's what we do better than any church I've ever been associated with. I don't care whether your hair is blue or green or purple or whether you got studs in your face that would set off a metal detector or you got long hair and tattoos. I don't care. We love you, we accept you, am I right? Cuz you need Jesus. We want Cross Lane to be a church where youth want to be and are excited about inviting their friends. We are deeply committed to our community and want the building to be used as an outreach tool for the non-church activities. And events. In other words, I say this all the time, we want people on our campus for reasons other than church. Like a sign up for, you know, Cub Scouts or, or Little League or something. The Ladies' Unity Night, we, ha- we hosted a little prayer thing for them not long ago. Anytime we can get people on this campus for reasons other than church, we want them here because there might come a day that a non-believer says, you know what, I need God. I know I need God, but where can I go? I know where I can go. I'll go to the Cross Lane Community Church because I felt loved, I felt warmed, I felt accepted there. So that's huge. And we want to see people continually growing and challenging themselves in their spiritual growth. So go back over to the other side under that little section that says Lane, Accepts Me for Who I Am. Go down to the What You Can Do. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. Become a person of prayer. Review these materials. And we're going to give you some more materials on the 20th attend Room to Be Real all month because here's what's going to happen. We're going to talk about this some more next week. On the 20th, we're going to give you a giving guide that's going to help you and your family pray through how do I make a, a, a God-honoring gift to this campaign, um, a, a gift that is, by the way, over and above what you're already giving. And if you think, Brett, that's too much to ask, I'm just going to tell you this right now. Your staff and your elders have already made their commitments over and above what they are, are, are already giving and it would blow your mind. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you in two weeks, a figure. And it's going to, I'm telling you right now, it's going to blow your mind what's already been committed. If you think you're dealing with people who, who aren't putting their money where their mouth is, you're wrong. We've prayed about this. We've been anticipating this. So. Sign up for clcchurch.com, the update. You can get that on Tuesdays. I send it out every Tuesday. Return your commitment card on Sunday, March 27th. We're going to hand those out on the 20th. We're going to ask you to pray. Come back on the 27th and make a three-year commitment. Our goal is to be able to raise that much money in commitments. And here's the, here's the kicker if we do that. We pay off that building in three years. We, we would pay it off. In three years, if we could get commitments to that level, okay? We, we, could, we can still make this happen if we don't get to that level. But if you look underneath there, it says phase two, phase two, because we're not done, okay? We don't take our foot off the gas. We're not done. And finally, you can follow our progress on Facebook. Now, let's wrap this up. Got a big finish, okay? I want to take you back to Asa take you back to Asa I want you to take that pamphlet and I want you to pray over that and I want you to come next week and the week after that I want you to be praying for our church let's go back and think about Asa for a minute in our message this morning Asa came back from battle and he hears the spirit of God say to him listen to me Asa and all Judah and Benjamin the Lord is with you and when you are with him if you seek him he will be found by you so when you're seeking God You're going to have to go through reforms. You're going to have to go through transformation. It's going to have to get sticky sometimes. You're going to have to come under his teaching. You cannot resist the transforming power of God and know what it truly means to rely on him. You can't. Verse 7 says this, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. What he's saying is, well done. Well done. Verse 8, When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah son of Obed the prophet, he took courage. I think one of the things that God would say to us as a church is, well done, Cross Lane. Well done. You've gotten to a place where people feel comfortable coming to hear my word. You've gotten to a place where you, you, you readily accept people around you. You know how to love. You know how to be generous. You know how to honor God with the decisions that you make. Well done. And we're in a tremendous place right now. We, we really are. We have momentum like you just can't believe. And it's all up and to the right for us. I wish you—I was with at homecoming two weeks ago, people asking me how my church is going. I wish you could have heard me praise and talk about and encourage and just go on and on about how good things are going here. Everything's up and to the right. But God is going to ask us to risk. He, he did it with Moses, go back to Egypt. That was a risk. He did it with Noah, go build an ark. That's a risk. He did it with Jonah, go to Nineveh. Huge risk. Jesus said, hey, I want you to leave everything and follow me. That's what he said to the disciples. Leave your career, leave your family, follow me. Huge risk. We talked last week about Elijah. How Elijah, when it came time, he was going to call fire down from heaven, and it hasn't rained in three years, and he instructs the people to pour out water over the sacrifice. You remember that? It hadn't rained in three years. The one thing they didn't have a whole lot of was water. But Elijah knew that if I want to see God do a huge thing in my life and in the lives of all these people, we've got to take a risk and we've got to pour out the most scarce thing we've got. Listen, there are a few things in our world that are as scarce for us as money. I don't think any of us are rolling in it, right? We're not sleeping in it at night. It's not feathered our mattress or anything. It's a huge risk to pour that out for God. But I'm telling you that if you really want to see God move and you really want to see God work, risk it risk it so cross lane well done well done for being a church that makes this a place where people can come and know Jesus but the fact that you're sitting in these seats this morning that did not happen by accident and it has not happened just because some people got together and started having church there are people who have for years and years prayed and given and worked and sweated to make sure that this would be a place that people could come and encounter the living God and know who his son Jesus is so I'm going to do something I'm going to um, I'm going to anticipate a question for you (laughs) you've heard me say this before and the question is this Brett when are we going to be done with this kind of stuff when are we going to be done I have a mirror as long as you can fog a mirror (sighs) we are not done okay that's what I want you to understand if you wake up in the morning and you can fog a mirror, we're not done. We are going to be in the risk. Now, I've given you one of these this morning. Do you have that? Take, put your hands on it. Put your hands on it because you're thinking, what is that? Because you took it off and you said, that's not sticky. That is a mirror cling. That's one of those static things, okay? So I want you to take this. I want you to put it on your mirror at home. And every morning when you're brushing your teeth and you see that you can still fog the mirror... I want you to pray a prayer and I want you to remember that you are going to risk reliance on God. Okay? This is bigger than us. The band's going to sing let's let's worship a little bit.